Okay, so let me pray and then we'll get started. Father God, thank you for the day and uh, thank you, Lord, for just uh, bringing everyone here who's here today and we just pray for those who might be on their way, Lord, that you would uh, grant them safe passage and uh, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Um, it's by your word that uh, you've decided or chosen uh, how to save people, but by the proclamation of the gospel that the Holy Spirit works in the heart and uh, and uh, regenerates the heart unto salvation. So we thank you for that. And then, and then also, Lord, is it uh, it's by the by study of your word and the obedience to your word that we are sanctified, that we are changed to be more and more like Christ, our Savior. And so, as we study your word today, help us, Lord, to understand it, help us to apply it to our heart, help us to live it out, that uh, that we might be more and more like our Lord. And uh, we we just pray that you bless our time together. And it's in in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, okay, Keone, why are we here? We're here to know God more deeply. We're here to have assurance of eternal life. And we're here to become equipped for ministry. Ministry, yeah. And so, uh, again, we are today then talking about the, uh, the second member of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, and specifically the work of Christ. Last week we talked about the person of Jesus Christ, and so today we talk about the work of Christ. Does uh, anybody have the memory verse yet? Yes, sir. What did the FOF mean? FOF? Fundamentals of the faith. Fundamentals of the faith. So, very good question. Might want to know why you're in the class or what's the name of the class. That's good. So, uh, but any, anybody have the memory verse? Look at him. Cover up. Look down. Look away. <laughs> the wording of this one was so hard for me. I have said it over and over. Just the wording... Doesn't hit my my brain. Right? That stick, huh? Well, let's I look went, at it. I went to King James and read it, and all the others, and I did my brain can't. Right. Can't remember yeah. about this one. Uh, this is an Awana verse. You know, the Awana kids used to do this, and, and it's to song. If you remember the old songs in Awana, which are, were great, the newer ones not so great. But uh, sing it, uh, then that might help me. Nah, well, you know, I didn't go through it that much. My wife oh. would sing it, <laughs> but. Yeah, for I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Notice what is, what is referred to twice in here. According to the scriptures. What is the purpose of that? What is Paul bringing that to your attention for? It's, it's emphatic. It's emphatic, right? He's making a point here is that this is done according to the Scripture. In other words, the Scriptures had prophesied this, and this was done in fulfillment of those Scriptures. You can trust the Scriptures, right? And then second, he says, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received. Where did Paul receive this? Through Christ, through Christ, through Christ right? So Paul, remember, he's walking on the road to Emmaus, and and here comes no, he's not Damascus, he's on, Damascus. Damascus and uh, see, it didn't sound right. According to that's what your brain is supposed to do to you, right? So yeah, on the road to Damascus, and the light shines down right on him, and he says, "Paul, why are you persecuting me?" So he receives a special revelation from Christ, right? He says, well, I'm the Lord. And then, where is Paul for three years while he's receiving the special revelation? He's in, what? He's studying. He's studying in Arabia. Arabia, right? And so, the Lord delivered. I delivered that which I also received. He received this by revelation from Jesus Christ, and he writes it down. And it... But Paul, okay, what's he writing down? So Paul is writing some of the New Testament. So he's writing this in Corinthians. Obviously, that's part of the New Testament. He's delivering it. He's providing it. But it's also what he studied as a young man growing up. He knows the Old Testament. He is a, uh, uh, he was taught by, you know, the, the one of the, yeah, Gamal, which is uh, one of the highest of the, uh, <laughs> but uh, the, the high priest, right? The high priest at the time. So he is uh, one of the best they've ever said. And so he's taught personally. And so Paul is very well versed in the Old Testament. The problem is, is that, of course, until the revelation of Jesus Christ, he could not see Christ as the Savior, right? He was as blind as anybody else is who, until their eyes are opened, they don't see the Lord. 
But then he received it and he delivered it. And then he confirmed it, that he was buried, that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And so when we look at that, uh, twice in the Old Testament, we see that Jesus' death and resurrection was foretold, right? Um, in Isaiah 53, 5, but he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. So there's one prophecy. Zechariah 12.10, I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication so that they will look upon me whom they have pierced and they will mourn for him as one who mourns for an only son and they will weep bitterly over him like the bitter weeping over a firstborn. And there are many other passages, Psalm 22, Daniel 9.24 and 26. So these are references into the Old Testament. Um, but interestingly is... Uh, the second part of Zechariah 12, where it says they will, they will mourn for him as one who mourns for an only son. They will bitterly over him like the bitter weeping over a firstborn. Have they done that yet? This is to Israel. Have they done that yet? No. Mm -hmm. That will come. 11, though, a partial hardening mm -hmm. has happened until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And then, then all Israel will be saved. Yeah, it says all, all those who are Elect. Was it all of everyone, or is it all, yeah, just the elect, right? Well, then we got to be careful about some of those, but yeah, so you're going to see a mass uh, revival of Israel during the time of the, of the, um, of the tribulation, right? There's going to be the, the two witnesses who are going to be prophesying, and there will be 144,000 who are sealed who will also be uh, um, proclaiming the gospel. So you'll see a mass revival. Then the... Uh, the second part of that, Zechariah 12, 10, will be fulfilled. They will look upon him who, they, who, was, who was pierced uh, and mourn for one, for, uh, for one as an only son. Right? But not yet. So Anyway, next week, we'll be able to write that down on the back of the quiz. So. Okay. Um, and then in 1 Peter 2, 24, right? He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross that we might die to sin and live to righteousness for by his wounds you were healed. Right. So sometimes people don't understand this part here where it says, for himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. Right? He suffered as a, as a man on the cross. And, and God put all our sins, all the sins of those who would believe on him. And um, he bore the full weight of those sins in his body at that time. So, and that's that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Some people mistake this part here. Like especially in the name it, claim it. For his wounds you're healed, right? They'll say, well, that means that, you know, I should always be healthy. I should always be cancer free. Is that what that refers to? Healed from our transgressions. Our transgressions. Healed from our separation. Right, right. So that's, this is, this is uh, misinterpreted, uh, mis, um, misused. And in the, in the faith, you know, the uh, name it, claim it, faith uh, movement, they will say that if you're not healed, it's because you don't have enough faith. Yes. yes. Right? Yes. So remember, uh, oh, there's a guy by the name of uh, uh, Price. What was his first name? Ken, Kenneth Price? Kenneth Copeland, but... There's Kenneth Copeland, and there's another... Fred Price, sorry, Fred Price. Mm -hmm. So Fred Price, right? He's in California, and in, in, uh, uh, I've been by there, his church many times. It's on... Uh, um, I can't remember the street right now. So I haven't been in L.A. long enough for a while. So, but anyway, so Fred Price had this big, you know, big uh, um, church there, and uh, he would get up and, and say that if you're sick, it's because you don't have enough faith, right? And... You know, um, you should somehow be able to pray, and God will heal you through, you know, through your words if you have the faith. Although while he's saying that, his own wife was going through cancer treatments, and mm -hmm. and then he himself, he's dead. So I guess he didn't have enough faith, right? I mean, where does that go, right? Uh, so it, it is a, a really a, a uh, just a travesty that people use this because what happens to somebody who is who is born with a birth defect and they pray and they want to be healed from it. And, and then, if 
Some vision problems, right? Yeah. I was going to say, didn't he have some after that? Yeah. Yeah, he went like as he got older. Look what look right, large right. letters I write. Mm -hmm. Usually, yeah. somebody else. Wrote I've it. written by my whole hand, my own hand. See the large letter. Why is because you know it's a, somebody who is severely uh, what's the, I think they're super nearsighted. They have to very large, in other words, to read it without putting it right up there, right? So, uh, and then there's another incident where he is uh, speaking to the high priest. He doesn't know he's speaking to the high priest and the guard smacks him in the face, you know, and says, do you speak to the high priest that way? And he's like, why? Sorry, I didn't know. Why didn't he know it? He couldn't see him, right? Because he didn't recognize that the high priest is wearing special clothes and all that. So it's just other, it doesn't say it in there, but you have to just kind of work through that passage and you'll say, oh, well now, in the other passages where he's talking about, he's writing with you know, large letters, so you can see. It's because he had problems seeing, so. But Paul, and he also, wasn't, didn't he pray once about the thorn in the flesh? Prayed three times that God would remove it, right? Now, it doesn't say what that particular ailment is, and we don't know what it is. There's lots of speculation. It's an actual physical injury, that it's a, uh, a, per, a messenger sent from Satan to constantly buffet him. We don't know what it is, but nonetheless, he prayed for healing, and he wasn't healed, right? Uh, what about Timothy? Timothy had ailments, right? So take a, Paul tells him, take a little wine for your ailments, right? Well, <laughs> couldn't he just pray that heal and be healed? Maybe clean it. Right? Yeah. No, obviously not, right? So, and that, we'll, we'll get into uh, some of the gifts of the Holy Spirit uh, later, um, but uh, uh, that's one of those things we call them. There's certain gifts that have ceased, right? One of them is the gift of healing, right? Where you could just... Put your hand on somebody and heal them, right? So there's, there are uh, uh, the quote-unquote name it, claim it, faith healers who say they can do that, and they slap you on the people on the forehead, and they faint on stage. And, uh, but those are never, never been proved that anyone was healed there. Uh, and if that's the case, if they had that, why wouldn't they be at a children's hospital healing all the poor children who were in there? That's, I mean, wouldn't that be the place for it to be then and not on stage being a... No money in that. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, okay, moving on. Insurance doesn't cover. <laughs> right. Uh, you guys did really well on the quiz. Nobody got anything wrong. Good job, class. Pretty amazing, right? So we'll just start over here. Uh, uh, Jim, could you start with that one? <clears throat> when Christ died on the cross, God saw his death as the payment for sin. True, true, true yeah, yeah. Uh, Michael. The crucifixion was predicted in the Old Testament. True. True, right? Mm-hmm. Kathy? When Christ died on the cross, he actually bore our sins in his body. True. Mm -hmm. We just covered that. Did you read that uh, in the sermon that he wrote on chapter 5? Mm-hmm. Uh, MacArthur, he talked a lot about the, the bore our sins. It's only used twice in the New Testament. That's used a lot in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. That bore our that sins. That phrase. Mm-hmm. Interesting, cool. because it yeah. relates back to yeah. Yeah. God in the Old Testament, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, Sheila, go. Sheila, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you. Oh, Christ's they... resurrection was a spirit um, and did not include his physical body. False. That's false, right? Of course it... His body, right? He was taken up. Okay. Uh, Andrea. The penalty for sin requires the shedding of blood. True. True. So let's talk about that one, just one second. What does the shedding of blood refer to? What happens? Referring back to the garden? No, but I mean, when we're saying, when it says the penalty for sin requires the shedding of blood. Yeah. What is it? It's a sacrifice. Is, is, and if we just got, you know, let out a pint and we're good? Oh, court. 
court. It's death, it's yeah. death. right? It's death, right? So sometimes people say, well, was it, was it the blood of Christ that saves us all? It's the death of Christ that saves us, right? He died. He was the sacrificial lamb. And the euphemism of shedding of blood goes all the way back into the Old Testament. In, in Leviticus, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Shedding of blood is the sacrifice, the killing of an animal. But you do it how? How did they sacrifice the animal? Yeah. They cut the throat, and all the blood bleeds out. And what is the blood called? The life. The life. Right? Oh, the life blood is the life blood. Yeah. So the the life literally is in the blood. The blood bleeds out, death takes place. So you're not supposed to drink it. Yeah. No. So anyway, that's sometimes people mistake that too, is the shedding of blood. It is it is more than just, oh, you know, blood was spilt. It's death. So okay. well, we also talk about uh, Christ's blood washing us. Yes. What wash your sins away? Nothing but the blood of Jesus, right? How precious is the blood. <laughs> right? How precious. It's the death. It, it, is the, uh, it is the death, the burial, and the resurrection. That's what gives us eternal life for those who are in Christ Jesus. Uh, Keone. Christ rose from the dead <clears throat> after his crucifixion. False. Three yeah. days later. Three days later. That's just a little trick question there. So. Rich, could you read that one for us and answer it? People who never do anything really bad will be acceptable in God's sight. False. That's false, right? So, uh, we'll, we'll get that question. Yes. On number three, uh -huh. I saw it in the first, the Bible verse there. What does it mean by in his body? So uh, he bore, bore our sins in his body. Or I've never Yeah. In his physical body. It's I don't understand that part. So well his body. So he's got, you know, he is a man. He took him sins. He I've never heard it that way. Mm -hmm. Was it in his body? He physically suffered. Where do you suffer as a person? If you suffer, let's say if you can be struck on the outside, you suffer on the outside of your body, right? But what about the anguish that he went through? Where is that? It's in the mind, physically in the body. Uh, how about a person who's going through lots of anxiety? What happens to their body? What will happen internally? You know, you can have, you can have stomach ailments. You can have all kinds of autoimmune diseases that spring up out of that kind of anguish. And heart so, problems. pardon me. Heart problems. You can have heart problems. Yeah, absolutely. All these kinds of things. So, he suffered all of that as a as a human being. So, uh, he's on the cross. God pours out the sin, and literally, his he's suffering it in his body. It's, I just thought it meant, like, metaphorically in the mind kind of thing. Yeah, well, no, he... In, I was born at that time. You know what I mean? So I don't have the illness, like, you're saying that. Yeah. But people in that time did. I understand that part. But that's what kind of threw me off. Ah, yeah. That's good, though. You know, what you should do is look at every single word yeah. in a scripture. And if you look at... Uh, yeah, like I said, in that memory verse, the Bible verse, it was the first time I actually read it, and then this one here, the question said it again. I'm like, wow, there's got to be something yeah. in this, in yeah. this body. Yeah, in, uh, in, I think, <laughs> lesson number two in there, it talks about, uh, yeah, I mean, in the manual, recovered it talks it. about breaking down scripture verses, and that's one of the things you do. You look at each, each word in there, what its purpose is. That's wow. how you study scripture. So, very good. Good observation. Yeah. Uh, okay, Jim, back to you, number eight, please. Christ was referred to as the Lamb of God because he was gentle and loving. False. <laughs> yes. <laughs> gentle and loving, but that was not why he was called that, right? Uh, Michael. It was a requirement that Jesus, I mean, that Christ be sinless in order to save men, true. Yeah, right. What, what, who, who would he be dying for if he had a sin? Himself. himself, right? Just like everybody else who is a sinner, right? When you die, it's because of your own sin. So, Andrea, number 10, please. Christ's sacrifice on the cross, together with our good works, will allow us entrance into heaven. False. I mean, I can't, like, work... What Shouldn't I do good works after 
Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Made for good works, right? Which he prepared beforehand. We should walk in them, right? Yeah. yeah that so, uh, refers to the, the thief on the cross. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he didn't do nothing. Right. Except for believing Jesus. Has believe in Jesus, right? And today you'll be with me in paradise. Okay, any question about the homework? Anybody do the homework yet? Some people have, yeah. Uh, or about the message. Anybody listen to John's message on this? Yeah? Sheila, what do you think about it? He's always good. He's always good. <laughs> well, one thing he brought, he was talking about the, you know, when I was talking, he was talking about, you know, when he died on the cross, it, it was a standard for us. It's a substitute for us. He was also a shepherd for us. Mm-hmm. So that was really good. He also brought out about, he, he was doing First Peter too, about when, when the cross is referred to in there, it's actually the wood wood. Mm-hmm. The cross is wood. He's laid. It's talking about Christ was placed on the wood. And I don't know why that stuck out to me, but th- that was what that word meant. So it's neat how he went through. There was some, not the bore word, so many words he pulled out and talked about that specific word and what it meant. And that just kind of t- was really meant a lot to me. Like, think about wood is rugged and, and splintery. And I mean, it's bad enough as it is that you're hanging on a cross, but then you throw in this piece of wood. Mm-hmm. You know, he's laying, he's bleeding up against this wood. And mm-hmm. it's just, but I just never, I guess I never read that before, but in that, in second, in first Peter 2, it's, the actual like, definition is wood instead of cross. Yeah. And that makes even more, I can't even work on the thing. Pain. Horrible. Yeah. Pain. Yeah. But it, it was, it, but he was so good. He just, I've listened to it like twice, and it's just really good. Yeah. I had to listen. He's, he's awesome. Yeah. That's a funny thing is I notice how we get our perceptions about something based on what we've seen. Right? So where have you seen you know, Jesus hanging on a cross? Or where have you seen crosses? Right? They're at church, and they're these nice, you know, polished, smooth, varnished, varnished you know, dis- uh, depiction of what a, Christ, uh, a cross is. But, yeah, but in reality, it's like, it's rough. You know, they just chop down a tree, and, you know, it's rough. It's splintery. It's it, it, kind of like a telephone pole today. Could be. They don't burn, so no. <laughs> well, they are soaked in creosote. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, okay. So today's outline. Then we'll go through man's need for Christ, the work of Christ, the provision of Christ's work, the motive for Christ's work, the resolution and uh, continuation of Christ's work, and the application. We won't get through all these today, but we'll get through part of it. So then. How about some false statements about man's condition? Have you heard this one? Man is basically good. Yeah, does everybody say that? Man is basically good, right? What else? Man can get to heaven if he does more good than bad, right? That's the cosmic scale, right? Yeah, well, if you're, you know, if you, better, if you get some bad, you better do some good works and then tip it the other way. And then if you do more good works than bad, then that's enough to get you in heaven, right? Uh, how about this one? All religions lead to God. Is this true? Well, sort of. It's sort of, right? (laughs) Everyone is going to stand before God, right? So, uh, but that's not really what they mean. They they always mean that, uh, uh, you know. They all lead to heaven. They all lead to heaven. You all be in heaven. You know, any religion is good, no matter what it is, right? Uh, We all worship the same God, right? You've heard that one before. Muslims, Hindus, Jehovah's Witness, Mormons, we all worship the same God, right? But that's false. They've. They worship the God of their own making. Uh, like the old saying says, uh, in the beginning God created man, and man's been trying to return the favor to God ever since. Trying to re- create God right, in their image. So, Did we lose light? Did something happen? Uh, maybe mine left. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Sounds nice. Doesn't sound nice. Good intention, people. Still right? Know. It's like, well, but what if you believe something is wrong? It's, you can believe, so you can be sincerely wrong too, that's right? That's my reality. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> my reality. That's what we identify as, right? And we all worship the same God we covered up with. So. so what do these all have in common? Think about this for a minute. If you believe any of these, what does it mean you don't need? A savior. You don't mean a savior, right? That's the point. If you believe that man's basically good, who needs a savior if you're good, right? You get into heaven on your own. Uh, If you do more good than bad, you don't need a savior, right? All religions lead to God. You don't need a savior, right? Doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Well, if you don't need, if you you believe you don't need Jesus, then you don't need a savior, right? 
And we all worship the same God. You don't need a Savior for that. Um, and so that's what they do. They throw out, they throw out Christ in the sacrifice, right? And they overlook the fact that sin leads to death. They decide how to do it. All right, so why does man need a Savior? Because he's broken God's law, and sin is anything against God in, and we'll cover this one. Michael, could you read that? Colossians 3, but now we also put off all these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication, all of your mouth. So we'd say, how, do we, how are we sinning? Mouth, right? Speak. What we say. So you can, you can sin through your word and thoughts. Keone, can you read that? Yep, Matthew 5, 28. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Okay, so it says, when you say in the, in the heart, what does that really refer to? That's the mind, right? The mind self. So that's thinking, right? So there's, a, there's the uh, sin in the thoughts. And, and by works, Andrea? 1 John 3, 4. Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. So that then is by deed, right? That's the actual out, outworking of the sin. And then how about James 4, 17? Therefore, to the one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. So this is a act of not doing something that we are supposed to do, instructed to do. So we sin through word, thought, deed, not doing what is right. So we can say act, that's sins of commission, and the last one is omission, right? All right, Uh, and why? Why do we need the Savior? Well, Wretched. Could you read that, Sheila? I'm sorry. Romans 3, 10 through 12. It is written, There is none righteous, no not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. There is all have turned aside. They have all together become unprofitable. And there is none who does good, no not one. Mm. And what is, God's, what is God's standard for men? Man who want to get into heaven. What do they have to be like? Or what shall they be like? Perfect. What does he tell them? Christ-like. Christ-like, right? Therefore, you shall be as I am perfect. perfect, as your Father in heaven is perfect, right? There it is, Matthew 5, 48. God's standard is perfection. Therefore, you be perfect as your Father in condition. And what is our condition? Sinful. Our condition is sinful, sinners, deserving of his wrath. Those aren't on your notes. <laughs> those, are the, those are my clicks, right? So then, um, what's the, uh, the proof text of what Paul says in 3, 10 through 12, which is a quote from the Old Testament, and in the New Testament we see Ephesians. Keone, can you read that? Ephesians 4, 17. So this I say, and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk, in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their hearts. So man has no spiritual capacity to understand or know God. Man is darkened in their understanding. So how then does Paul describe it in verse 17? Why is their understanding darkened? Because of the ignorance that is in their hearts. So their understanding is darkened. And then none seek after God. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up in the last day. So what do we call this? This is when God is drawing people in, it is the doctrine of election. Doctrine, part of the doctrine of election we'll get to in salvation next in chapter six, but it's the calling, right? There's okay. the calling. There's an effectual calling, and then there's the general calling, right? But he's saying, Come to me, all all you who would be saved. Right? So no one can come to the Father though, unless they're drawn by him. 
and this goes directly against the, uh, the Arminianist view of, of salvation, right? Is that, you know, you make a decision to follow Christ. It's all on you. You hear, you, you believe, and on top of that, if you don't stay, you can lose your salvation. But when we go through this, we will demonstrate that God's word clearly points out that that's, that's not the case, right? So all have turned aside. Everybody know that one? All, all we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. Right? What does that mean? You've turned to your own way. We've gone away. We're not obedient. We follow the lust of our heart. We follow the sin, right? And so we don't follow Christ. And as a result, all have become useless, spiritually dead. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. So, R.C. Sproul, um, which we'll cover in a minute, but can a dead thing respond to anything? If you're dead, what does a dead thing do? Nothing. Rots. Just rots, yeah. Good job, Andrew. Rots. <laughs> yeah, so there's nothing. No one does good, no, not one worthless for any good deed. They profess to know God, but by their deeds they deny him, right? Being detestable and disobedient and worthless for any good deed. So what is the, then if a person's, we call this something, uh, you know them by their fruits, right? So if the fruits are rotten, what does that tell you about the root? The root is rotten, right? They're not saved, right? And so... Uh, those being, they're detestable and they're worthless for any good deed. Their deeds demonstrate that they do not know God, right? Because if they knew God, what would their behavior be like? Righteous, obedience. They would have fruit, right? Mm -hmm. So that's another thing when you, if you're ever sharing, sharing the gospel with people and they, uh, they will profess, oh yeah, I'm a believer, I'm a believer. You know, you drill a little bit into their life and you find out what their fruit is like and it's the fruit you know it tells you whether or not they're truly believers or not right because by their fruit you will know them so further indictment so the whole of the passage then um their throat is an open grave and with their tongues they keep deceiving the poison of asps is under their lips whose mouth is full of curse and bitterness, cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their paths and the path of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Here it is. What's the beginning of wisdom? The fear of the Lord, right? And if they don't fear the Lord, then they don't follow God, right? There's no fear. They go on their own way. So, wait, go back, right? Yeah. So, no fear of God. Man is totally depraved. But it, what does that mean? Totally depraved. It does not mean that they're devoid of any qualities pleasing to men, right? Does not mean that each person is as bad or he or she can be. Does not mean they're devoid of conscience. It does not mean that every person will do every evil act. And it does not mean that all men are equally evil. Right? But it does mean, though, is that any person who has sinned will be in the lake of fire if they don't repent and put their trust in the Lord. So... Um, what it does mean, it means that every part of man is tainted by sin, okay? It means that man is totally separated from God. It is impossible to please God. We are slaves to sin, total depravity, right? And so this is part of TULIP, right? T stands for total depravity. What does that mean? What does that mean, total depravity? Like you said before, we're dead. There's nothing in us that can save us. Like, we're totally depraved. But at the same time, like you said, what, if God's restraining hand was totally removed, then we would just do complete, complete evil. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, 
Yeah. It basically means that we cannot save ourselves and we need a savior. Right, right. And so the people who think that, oh, man is basically good, I mean, where do they get that from? Each other, I mean. Yeah, from, from each other, psychologists, just you know, interaction with people. Oh, man is basically good. Um, they don't certainly don't understand what what the what the Bible says about it, what the gospel says about it, what God has said about it. Right? Is that man is not basically good? Man is evil. Man is evil from the beginning. And so here's a word uh, that describes sin and the effect of sin. It's called the noetic effect of sin. And the noetic noetic means effect on the brain. So the effects of sin on the brain are that we, uh, our brains are tainted by, by sin. Our thoughts are never pure because of the tainting of sin within us. Even our good deeds, we want to do something right, it's like the, the wrong motives will creep in. That is the effect of sin on the brain. Our brains are distorted because of sin. And so we always have to fight that battle, yeah. right? Like we are slaves of sin at birth. Filthy rags, right? Our righteousness is like filthy rags. Yeah. Our righteousness. Our, our, our own thoughts. Right? It's, it's right. And so I remember a question once somebody brought up and said, well, what about, you know, like, you know, the Catholic Church? I mean, they built, uh, they built hospitals and they do all, aren't those good deeds? Are those good deeds? Yeah, yeah. sure, man. Good deeds in whose eyes? Our eyes. Yeah. Good deeds in our eyes. Are they good deeds in God's eyes? Doesn't mean they're going to heaven. That's right. Because, right. because of the motives of the heart, right? Why do they do it? You know. Self-worth, praise, look at me, I'm so generous. Right? And say, you know, like I mean, that. to serve the poor, to help people, those are all good things to do. But it's the motive. And if you're not saved, you cannot have the right motive. The Catholic Church uh, organization all the people, uh, they remind me of the Pharisees. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, so much of that too. Everything, that's just, anyway, I was raised in a Catholic, well you were raised in a Catholic church, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, so. So was I. Yeah, we all. To start off with. Start off with, <laughs> yeah. So then. Through every religion, just about it. <laughs> so what's the consequence? Well, 323, Romans 323, science sum, sum, sums it all up, right? For all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. And what are we a slave of? John 8, 38, most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits a sin is a slave of sin. Slave of sin, right? And what's the end result of sin? Yeah. Yeah, right? Read that first, Keone. Yep, James 1, 15, then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full, full grown, brings forth death. Yeah. So... <laughs> It's death, right? So then, um, you might be saying, well, you know, we're not a sinner, but then again, does a, does a sinner feel, they might say, I don't feel the full weight of my sin, right? Or does a dead thing feel the weight of your sin? No, R.C. Sproul said it this, if you laid a 400-pound weight on a corpse, <laughs> would it feel the load? No. Right? Wouldn't feel anything. You're, it's like um, your spirit too. If you don't feel the weight of your own sin, then you need to consider where you stand before God. Because feeling the weight of our own sin, this is an indicator of our, uh, our relationship to our Lord who suffered and died as a result of that sin. So Spiritually alive, we will feel Yes. So then, John says here, I mean, uh, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. Right. So, um, let me go back here. What did I do? Something happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. So what about Paul, right? This is Paul. He says, the good that I want, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. Right? So, have you ever set out to do good, but in the end, you don't do good? You sin, right? So, this is a battle that we all suffer all the time, right? Paul suffered it, and Paul wrote how many books in the New Testament? 13. 
13 books of the New Testament, right? He was, he was uh, um, given special revelation by the Lord for three years, but yet Paul still had a struggle with sin, right? Just like everybody else does. And it's only by the Holy Spirit, the indwelling Spirit within us, that we are able to, um, to defeat sin, right? To, to be able to have control over sin rather than it control us. The unsaved person, on the other hand, sin controls them. Right? They are a slave of sin. Again, it doesn't mean they do, they're, they're as bad as they could be, but it does mean that they don't have any control over sin. Sin has control over them. Right? So, you can take heart in the fact that Paul struggles had struggles with sin just like we do. But we have a Savior. And so the good thing is, is that Christ delivers us from what? On earth. The, does he deliver us from the presence of sin? Not the presence. Uh, does he deliver us from the penalty of sin? Yes, the penalty. Does he deliver us from the power? Not yet, right? Those come when we... First we're saved, that's our, uh, we call that, that's our glorification, no, that's our... Redemption? No, what's the first part? Sanctification. No, that's the second part. It's, it's what? Justified. Justification, thank you. <laughs> first is your justification at salvation, right? And then your sanctification, and then when you die is your glorification, right? And so at sanctification, at the time of salvation, we are delivered from the power of sin over our bodies, right? But we continue to live on this earth in the presence of sin, right? And it isn't until we get to heaven that we are delivered then from, uh, from that. I'm sorry, let's back up. At salvation, you are delivered from the penalty of sin, right? You are then, what does it say in, in Romans uh, 8.1? There is no, there is now therefore no condemnation in those who are are saved, right? So you are delivered from the penalty of sin. And then during sanctification process, um, you are delivered from the power. And then when you get to heaven, you will be delivered from the presence of sin. Okay. So will God tolerate sin? Let's look at, at this, right? The helpless state of man. We're separated from God, unable to do any righteous deed to please him, unable to understand God, lost, unable to find God, useless to God, an enemy of God, facing death, facing eternal separation from God. This is the helpless state that we're in, right? Everyone's in that state until they become a believer, right? So our only hope then is for God to reach out to man and save him, right? The bottom line is, is that we need a new nature, Wonder replace the sinful nature. We all need Jesus Christ. Without Christ and without the work that He did on the cross on our behalf, we would all be in the same, the same boat, sinking fast. Right. In fact, there's a there's a great painting that shows people in the water, and they're in uh, imminent danger of drowning, and there's somebody throwing them a, you know, the the ring. What is that called? Life, life preserver or something like that. So they throw on them the life preserver, and, and this is the picture of, uh, this is the picture of uh, salvation, right? It's wrong, right? Because you're not alive. You're not alive swimming along, just waiting for that. No, you're dead on the bottom of the water, right? You're dead at the bottom of the ocean or wherever that body of water is. You're you're dead, right? And it's it's then that you are regenerated. So we're dead to him, trespasses and in, in trespasses and sins. Okay, so then let's look at the work of Christ, the need for a blood sacrifice. Uh, why, what is the required penalty for sin? Wages of sin is death. death. Wages are what you earn, right? We've all earned death because of our sin, right? So sin requires the shedding of blood. Forgiveness of sins requires what? It requires that indeed under the law, almost everything is purified with blood and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Again, this is a euphemism, right? What does the shedding of blood refer to? 
It's a sacrifice. It's a death sacrifice. Either an animal or, in the case of believers, it's the once and for all sacrifice of Jesus Christ. A life for a life. Yeah. Yeah. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your sins, for your souls, for it is the blood by reason of life that makes atonement. So then it's the shedding of blood required. What price did Christ pay to redeem us? His own blood. His own blood, right? And what was the result of Christ dying for us? God forsook the Son, right? Why? Because Christ became sin, right? And God cannot look upon sin with favor, right? In Ecclesiastes it says that. So. All right, so then... The need for the sacrifice. Forgiveness requires the shedding of blood. Man has a sin problem. What must happen before forgiveness can occur? There has to be a shedding of blood. Otherwise, there's no forgiveness. Right? God's justice required a sacrifice. There could be no forgiveness of our sin without the shedding of blood. Therefore, God had set the requirement for the atonement of sin. The shedding of blood was required back in Leviticus 17.11. Right? This goes way, way back in the into the Old Testament. And in fact, we talked about this before, but what was the first sacrifice? God in the garden when he... He provided skins for Adam and Eve, right? That was the first sacrifice, that God sacrificed animals to cover or atone for their sins. I have a question. Yes. When, in the Old Testament, when they sacrificed a, a bull or, or lamb or whatever... A lot of times it'll say to cover the sins. Now, so, and you just use the word atonement. So that leaning in my mind, it's leaning towards, were they forgiven? That's a great question. Forgiven, uh, they were, they were temporarily atoned for. Okay, they're not, they're not totally forgiven, but the blood sacrifice covers the sin. Right. So that it isn't a, uh, let, let, let me ask you a question. So what do we, or what can we do, or what are we to do when we sin? Repent. We are to repent, yes. and we are to confess, right? First, first John 1, 9, right? If you... We confess our sins, he is faithful. Yeah, he is faithful. <laughs> I just like drew a blank. Yeah, <laughs> if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, right? So, in the Old Testament, when they sacrificed the animals for an atonement, were they cleansed of their sin? It was covering the sin. The sacrifice was simply a temporary atonement. And how, how many times did they have to do that? Once a year. Once a year, right? And there's lots of sacrifices in there, but after the exodus... Then every year at the Passover, they would sacrifice a lamb to cover for the sins. Right? How many times do they have to do that? Every year. Right? Continually every year. Which means the sacrifice wasn't a complete good enough sacrifice. It simply atoned, covered for the sins that were committed in the past. So would it be safe to say that the sacrifice, I'll just use a, a lamb... Mm -hmm. covered the sins and then from possibly our father's perspective okay so Andrea is covered because she sac she you know they sacrificed the lamb for her so now I can hear her prayers to just go a little bit further so you think yeah yeah the uh, well the prescription right if if they are following God's prescription for the covering of sin, then absolutely. Yeah. You could pray and then God would would hear your prayers. But what about a person who is not confessing sin? Does God hear their prayers? He requires obedience over sacrifice because you, you could be right. sacrificing millions of lambs, but if your heart says not all Israel is of Israel, so your heart could be far from God and you can be going through the motions. But mm -hmm. if you're not 
So as another example, what does, well, it says that God is angry with the wicked. Every day. Every day. First uh, John 3, 7. To husbands, he says, uh, live with your wife in an understanding way as to the weaker giving honor to her as a fellow heir in Christ, right? So that, so that what? Your prayers may not be Your hindered. prayers may not be hindered, right? Why would the prayers be hindered? Because if a man is not obeying that, he is in sin. So therefore, when we have unconfessed sin, then it impacts our prayer life. Well, God says, I think it's in Isaiah, or throughout the whole Testament, that he got tired of their sacrifices. Mm -hmm. Because they still sin it all the time. Yeah, right? You weary so, me with yeah. your... <laughs> yeah, because he desires obedience. Yes. Yeah. Right? But they weren't obeying. They just think, oh. Okay, so this is a great point. Great, great, great. What does the Catholic Church tell you to do? What did they do? Okay, let's go back in the, you know, the 1500s. What did they institute? So you could go out on the weekend and sin all you wanted to. What do we call it? Confessional. Before that, it was your, you could literally buy right? Oh, indulgences. Yeah, you could make a monetary sacrifice, you know, Friday and say, well, we're going to a party tonight, so I'm, I'm going to pay ahead so my sins are covered. That's real. They really did that. Yes, they did. It's called indulgences. That's one of the things that Martin Luther, that, that really was probably the last thing that Martin Luther said, okay, that's enough. And he came out with his 95 pieces. But so, this is, so what they're doing is sinning. Somebody did something that stupid, so they're sinning and they're paying ahead. Like, here's my penance ahead of time so I can go and sin. And so the, in Israel, they were making the sacrifices as if, well, you know, we have to do the sacrifice. But yet they didn't get the fact that it was, it was pointing to the fact that they were sinning and they weren't supposed to sin. The whole thing about the, um, the annual sacrifice of the lamb at Passover was this lamb, which was a spotless lamb, was typically in the family home and was just like a pet. And they all loved the dog. I'm the dog. They all loved the lamb. You know. And then it was time to sacrifice, and they would put their hands on the lamb and transfer the sins to the lamb, and the lamb was killed. And the whole family watched. So the children would see how, you know, how utterly despicable sin was. Is this poor lamb, which was their pet, had to be sacrificed because of their sins. Well, I did. I didn't like what he said about you know it depends on the heart too. Like, oh, you know what? Uh, let's let's kill this lamb, and then I'm going to go out Saturday night and get drunk. Or right. Yeah, they almost look like it's an indulgence, right? Mm -hmm. And so, uh, just one other point about is it in what does it say in uh, James about prayer? The fervent prayers of a righteous man avail righteous man availeth much, right? So, who is a righteous man? Obedience to God. Go back to 1 John 1 9. If you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive your sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if a person is cleansed from unrighteousness, what does that make them? Righteous. Righteous. Therefore, you confess your sin, you're righteous before God, and the fervent prayer of a righteous man will avail as much. See how that all works? Uh, a lot of the Baptists, a lot of churches, they say, well, if you go out and get drunk and do whatever you want to on the weekend, as long as you show up for Sunday morning service, you're fine. Mm. Yep. Have fun over and stuff or whatever. Mm. Still freaking them the night before or whatever. So. Right. That's just, you know, again, totally misunderstanding, almost on purpose, mm. of, of what, you know, what God's Word says. The author of Hebrews says if you continue in sin deliberately, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Because Christ died once for all. You can't keep sacrificing Christ. And it's like, that yeah, Hebrew is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a warning. Is what oh, that is. man. Warning. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so let's, let's move on here. So the provision is that God's love provided the sacrifice, right? He sent his son. What was the cost? God's, Christ's humiliation. The humiliation of the incarnation. The humiliation of the beatings. The humiliation of the crucifixion. Right? And, and we covered this last week in... Uh, in Philippians 2, 7 and 8, but he made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Right? And so, when it says even to the death on the cross, why does it say even to the death on the cross? What is the point of that? The most excruciating 
pain. It is this type of death, right? That's number one. It's an excruciating type of pain that was. Uh, it wasn't a stoning. Wasn't a stoning, right? Like blasphemy. And then, but what else was it? That's when you're hanging up there, literally naked. Yeah. It is a humiliating way to go, right? Everybody's coming by. A curse. Cursed, 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 yeah. Cursed is anyone who hangs on the tree, right? So it's, yeah, he's cursed. He's hanging in front of everybody, naked, and it's excruciatingly painful. Vulnerable, yeah. And a lot of times, uh, people could be crucified and they could hang there for days, days. And, and they're finally, when they die, they die from suffocation. Because the way they have them hung up this, like this, uh, and their feet, you know, they have enough energy to lift so they can take a breath. And then they go back down, you know, and then they let it out. And they can lift and take a breath. Eventually, they can't lift anymore. And because of the way they're hanging there, they can't take in a breath. So they literally die of suffocation. So it's, it, it, it is a, a humiliating and extremely painful way to die. Right? So um, what are the three things Christ did when he came to earth? made himself in the reputation. He took on the form of a, of a man and became a humble servant. By the way, the New King James, because of probably at the time that it's written of the slave trade and uh, cognizant of the fact that the term slave is, you know, maybe socially not acceptable, they used the word servant. But uh, almost everywhere in, in the Bible, it is translated properly as slave. Dulos. Dulos, right? Dulos. So, so he, he was a slave. Slave to the Father, right? So he became an obedient servant to the point of death. What happened? He was despised. Isaiah 53, 3. He is despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He was hid as it were. Our fa- we, and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. People just didn't want to look at him, right? Because it was so horrific. He was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the other, other part of this, he's despised of men. He was, uh, how was he treated on earth? What were some of the terms used to describe how he was humiliated? Despised of men, forsaken of men, from whom men hid their faces. We did not esteem him. That's where we're going to end today. We'll pick up the rest of this chapter next week. So what have we looked at so far? We looked at man's need for a Savior. We looked at the work of Christ. And then next week, we will continue with the work of Christ, the motive for Christ's work, the resolution and continuation of Christ's work, and the application. All right, any questions? We had some good questions today. Today, we're turning in Lesson 5. And then next week, we're turning Lesson 6? No. Next, so today is lesson five. If you have it, I'll take it. Otherwise, you should turn it in by the end of next week. Okay. And then the memory verse. And then the memory verse. I'll have the quiz. You can write on the quiz. And then the following uh, week after that, we will start lesson number six. So next week, we're going to finish lesson five. Following week is lesson six. Each lesson basically take two weeks. Until we get to lesson, I think, number eight. And then there are one a week. So that means all you have to get your homework done and your memory verse done in one week. You know, by then, but you know, I'm, I'm, you're gearing up for it. You're getting really good. Well, I hope the verse is he wet because you know, that's about as much as I can get. Just Jesus wet. Yeah, that's a good one. Right? That way easier. <laughs> he wet. Jesus wet. That's a that's the shortest verse in the Bible, right? Yeah. yeah. So very good. Very good. Okay, let me pray for us. I'll hand up some papers after that. So, Father God, thank you for today. Uh, Thank you for the lesson today, Lord, and for um, just pointing out the fact um, that we we need a Savior. And um, thank you, Lord, for sending that Savior, Jesus Christ, for drawing us in and for converting us unto believers. So we thank you for that. Uh, We pray, Lord, that we would live that out this week uh, with that in our minds, knowing that for us who have been forgiven so much, Lord, that we in turn should be forgiving and forgive those, Lord, who have, uh, who have sinned against us, knowing that 
in reality, um, you have forgiven us an infinite amount that we could never repay. And so we too likewise need to learn to forgive those who have sinned against us. So help us to live that out. Help us to focus on uh, our Savior this week. And um, we just praise you for our time today. And thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And amen. Okay, so.